Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have a very interesting gentleman who is both a pastor who thinks as an entrepreneur. A very interesting combination. So his name is Terrell McTire, and his title is Minister of New Church Strategies in the New Church Ministry. And where are you located, Terrell? I live in my hometown of Kansas City, Missouri, um, in the United States. And uh, so I, I know you're, you're in Canada, so I'm a little bit south of you. <laughs> okay. So... Tell us about your academic experiences, post-secondary. Wow. Um, it's, it's been quite a journey because when I left high school, I wanted to be an architectural engineer, so went to the University of Kansas to, to study that. Once I finished and started doing some work as an architect, decided that wasn't what I wanted to do, so um, had a, a side career in music and left there to, to study music. And so I enrolled in a, con- I did a year of training to be able to convert my voice from gospel to, um, to more classical music and studied opera and voice and mm-hmm. things like that. And the conservatory of music, uh, for the university of Missouri, Kansas city, um, st- did music for a while, but while also working in, um, in a corporate job that kind of s- took me in a, a couple different turns. And one of those turns, involved my being laid off from a job. And that day I got laid off from that job, uh, a friend of mine who also got laid off in that same day, we decided we were going to start our own company. We did that. We started an event coordination company and found out that we were both really, really great at sales and marketing. I'd done sales throughout my entire co- uh, college career. Um, after doing marketing for so long and then eventually starting my own marketing company, I decided to get a marketing degree. So I went back to school and did that and did marketing and communications for quite a while. Um, then somehow along the journey, decided I wanted to go back to, uh, to, to get more involved in ministry. And that's when I went to a seminary here in Kansas City. And um, it's really funny because my pathway always started me in a career before I got the paper for the career. Um, so I don't know what comes next after this, I guess, depends on what I get into next. <laughs> So, Terrell, you do have an entrepreneurial spirit to you, and I think you bring that to your church. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having started so many groups, a lot of different nonprofit organizations, um, and then having a business that did marketing for other small businesses and entrepreneurs, I really um, had a a good um, acumen towards startups and entrepreneurship. And then even I worked for um, one of the largest entrepreneurship-driven organizations in the United States, which is the Kaufman uh, Foundation. The, the Kaufman people were great here for, and Kansas City is a great city for entrepreneurship um, development. So, um, but then ministry took me in this direction where doing, um, doing church in different ways became a, a strong part of 
what I would do. And I created these partnerships and I didn't realize I was church planting at the time that I was starting these churches. <laughs> it didn't, it, no one taught me that no one called it that. Um, I had never gone to school for that, but then I started um, doing starting churches with some friends of mine. And so I had a few under my belt and then decided I was going to, that God led me to start my own. So uh, about 12 years ago, I started my, um, I started doing that journey of starting churches. And and then a few years ago, I started Manifestation Christian Center in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, which is no longer with us because I, let, I had to close that con con congregation after about two years in order to take this position. Okay, so New Church Ministry, tell us about that. You know, New Church Ministry is a part of the general ministries within the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in the United States and Canada. And so uh, it, my, my part of the organization, we help to train, equip, assist, and multiply emerging and affiliating congregations and leaders of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. Is that done through training or? Yeah, we, we have several different offerings that we provide new churches. Um, in our training, we have an event every year called Leadership Academy, where we um, we supply those who are preparing to launch and then those who are preparing to sustain their launch um, over the next, you know, um, dec decade or less. And um, we have a, a great series of learnings uh, through a platform we call New Church Hacks. New Church Hacks is a uh, right now in the form of a webinar series. We hope to grow up and be like you, Peter, one day and have our podcast maybe by the end of this year. Um, and also we're going to have a New Church Hacks blog. But New Church Hacks is designed to provide um, practical and sometimes even peculiar prompts to help uh, churches um, not only be new, but also be unique and be different. Uh, so we do offer different trainings. We help uh, we help discerners figure out their pathway through various assessments and and things like that. Then also uh, we provide a we have a whole system of coaching. So we do that coaching for them, and we'll give them a coach for a, at least a couple of years that will help walk alongside them on a monthly basis, hold them accountable to the things that God is teaching them and training uh, or instructing them to do. And um, a, a large part of what we have grown into has to do with the, the multiplying aspect, which is really a focus on disciple making and how to be more innovative within ministry. An associate of mine in Dallas, Texas, sent me an article about congregations. And in that article, it indicated the congregation is 50% of what it used to be. Hmm. So how do you as a pastor work to turn that around? And how do you coach people that you're working with? Yeah, um, I don't advise that to be turned around. <laughs> um, I, I think that all things, all organisms have a natural circle of life. And if congregations have come to a point where they are um, coming to an end, it's a matter of figuring out in what manifestation is the next stage of our life. Sometimes that means closing and, and restarting or, or somehow investing in the legacy 
um, in our legacy, but coming back uh, to life per se, or resurrecting, since we're people of the of the cross, resurrecting in a, a different type of manifestation. So I think we actually suffer in in cultural Christianity by by our history sometimes in a sense that we always kind of want to go back to something. You know, we we remember the way things were in the good old days, um, and we want to return back there. But that that's there's really not a lot of uh, biblical basis for a return from what once was too often. Now, with some of the churches that I've talked to, it, it's been very interesting. Since they've gone online, they're getting participation much greater than their normal in-church congregation. So mm-hmm. I've said to them, what's your plan going forward? Right. And they said they're going to do both. Have you experienced that kind of situation? Yeah, I think that every sector is thinking about that. There's a time during the pandemic where uh, the pandemic of 2020, where we had to transition. People didn't know when we would return to um, normalcy. So we just transitioned and did what we could. The church was also part of that. Tried to get online and figure out how to get people online. A lot of people were left behind in that movement because they didn't have the um, capability or accessibility to um, to experience church in a virtual format. Um, just like there were people before who didn't have the capability or accessibility to show up in a church service. So that flipped. Uh, but now um, that the transition is over, it's time to ask, how do we transform? And that transformation could involve the way in which we broaden our idea about membership. So now we're seeing that we have to move beyond membership, which usually membership for a church is counted as the, the group of people who are most important because they can show up on Sunday morning and give tithes and offerings. And now that we are virtual, we see that there's other people who are participating who may never show up um, on, on Sunday morning. And so how do we include those participants in the way we do ministry? Um, and it, we can't just go back to only doing what is right in front of us on that Sunday morning. We have to um, maybe do hybrids. And you know what? This hybrid situation is is, is not new. There's um, There are other industries and other examples of doing hybrid expressions um, that we need to learn from. And, and one of those is, um, is ta- talk shows. So if you think about a talk show, um, from Johnny Carson to uh, um, the Wendy Williams or whomever you want to think about as a talk show host, that talk show is an individual who's standing in front of a camera, speaking to that camera and, and centering and putting the audience that they never get to see and never get to interact with as the most important audience. And then there's a studio audience. The studio audience is the supporters to give applaud, to give an energy into the room, to do some things like that. And then today, uh, talk shows are very successful because they not only do that thing with the camera and they not only 
provide that studio audience, but they find ways to engage people online and through social media and their fan base and, and do all of this engagement and think about all of these participants in that way. And to me, I can really see churches going to that. If we go to this next level and the churches that were virtual, um, just start having in-person church and then point a camera inside of that, but they're focused more on the studio audience, they're going to lose their virtual community. It's really important for them to figure out how do I continue to minister for, minister to, and minister with those who are not able to be with us in person. I was invited to uh, go to a church um, about an hour and a half from Toronto, and it was a one-day session on repurposing the church. So what they did is they bought business people, nonprofits, charities, um, the congregation to figure out how to repurpose the church. So I told them about our community innovation hub, and then we spent the rest of the day trying to come up with ideas to help repurpose the church. Mm -hmm. So what was pretty cool is the lady who ran the building took me on a tour, and she admitted they were using 20% of their space between 8.30 in the morning and 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week. So then I looked out the window and I said, what about that land out there? Hmm. Well, we don't use that land. Four acres of land. Wow. Totally unused. But here's, here's the capper. Along comes a former member of the congregation and says, here's 15 million. I want you to build a new church. Hmm. But did they did they build did they um, tear down the facility that existed and no, redo no. that or just put it on the part of the land? Yeah. Well, what, what what's what was interesting to me on that whole concept is yeah. is the term repurposing, right? And I wanted to get your view on that idea of repurposing and how it could make a difference. Well. When we think about the the that word, which would mean to um, repurpose, would mean to um, find its purpose again, find its reason, find its why again. I think that is something that we often call in church world revitalization or transformation. Uh, we say in my um, my network, and we all should be repurposing all the time. Every organization and every organism should repurpose. Um, and I say you should go through a formal intentional repurposing or a formal intentional transformation every five to seven years. So that congregation probably had been well overdue for uh, a dramatic repurposing. And um, until you got to the end of the story, I wasn't quite sure if you were referring to the repurposing of their facilities or what you exactly meant by repurposing the church because the church is so many different components. It is the facility, but it's definitely not only this facility. So being able to ask ourselves, what do we do with this facility and this emptiness um, beyond the few hours that we use it for church? I don't understand that at, at that point, the main purpose of that building should not be church. 
if you're not using it for church um, the majority of the time, then its purpose is not church. Its purpose has to be something else. It's um, a big storage closet or some mausoleum or so, it's something else, but it's not for the activity that the Bible would describe as church. And so we really um, need to think about repurposing our mindset in that instance about what exactly we're doing. Then there's other parts about being church that are important to also repurpose. How do you repurpose your leadership? What do we do to repurpose our finances and our stewardship of those finances? How do we do to re, what do we do to repurpose the, the way in which our participants actually um, interact with one another and interact with community? And what do we do to repurpose our, um, our community and the connections and the integrations relating to our participants and the community and our leaders and the facility and our finances all put towards um, this missional direction that creates an interdependence of one another that ultimately really satisfies the purpose of Christ. And so you have to line that repurposing up or that purposing up with what does Christ, what was Christ's purpose? And uh, I, I have this sign behind me that says life because one of the, the, big, the biggest reminders Christ does for me every day is said, hey, in John 10, remember, I told you I came that you would have life and not just living, not just breathing on earth, but to have abundance of life and abundant life. And so um, it, it's a challenge to really look at abundance and repent for the way that they use that building. We didn't use this abundantly. <laughs> We're not using our, our people abundantly. We're not taking our money and doing abundant things with that. And um, for that, that is a, a sinful thing. So you asked me earlier about this return. That goes right back to it. Don't return to that lunacy. <laughs> Don't return to that waste. Um, it's time to, to we, we have an opportunity here to, to start again and to, to really make some major, major changes based off of what really is important and essential for the flourishing of Christ and Christ's people. So Terrell, let's talk about community outreach and partnerships. Sure. And tell me how communities of faith should build strategies in those areas. Well, if we do it from the perspective of the word you use, partnership, then it's certainly not the way we've done it before because churches often think about mission. And when they say mission, what that means is the church has something to offer the community and we're going to fix the community <laughs> because we know what to do and we have what it takes to fix these people and make their life better. Well, absolutely, we have Jesus Christ, and that's that's great. But in some of the ways in which we do mission, it is not partnership. Partnership says we are equals, and what makes us equals is the commonality of our goal. So if we have a partnership as a church with a community, that means that we are we we approach the that we are doing an endeavor with a member of the community towards the edification of a common goal, and so that that may mean uh, that there is a part of our shared community because churches are in communities. Communities are not in communities go into church buildings, but churches are in communities. So we 
has to think about what is it that we are sharing about this community. It's the people. It's the um, the economic state of that community. It is uh, what's going on as far as any any type of injustices um, relating to uh, race or poverty, poverty or um, issues relating to um, gender or all so many different things that are true of societal um, plights. And so when we share that, we come together and figure out how to leverage our strengths for the good of that, uh, for that common goal. But let's not call it partnership if we don't see ourselves as equal. Okay, I want to hit on one more topic, if I could, with you. Communities of faith seem to operate in silos. Hmm. Um, So, for example, I've been in a mosque. I've been in a Mennonite church. I've been in a United Church. And I've asked all the people in those locations, do you invite people from the United Church to come into your mosque to a service? or to join a, a committee, and vice versa. I've asked the United Church the same thing. And the Mennonite Church does not invite either Catholics or Islamics, etc. How do we deal with that kind of challenge? Well, I think it starts with awareness of what we have in common and what we have different. Uh, there's some fundamental core elements of our different faiths that make us distinct. And that's fine. Um, They don't have to believe in Christ the same way we do as Christians. But there's other things that we share. And again, I just go back to the answer I kind of gave. It doesn't matter what faith you are, you still share um, humanity and society. And so coming together, uh, that is a real opportunity for partnership where they are able to say, you know, I don't, let's not make this about our differences. Let's, let's try to figure out how we can come together to really make a difference in the overall world. Because in essence, I think whether we believe that another faith is right or wrong, or if they're going to heaven or hell or whatever paradigm we want to put that in, um, what what is true is that, the, the more we all are supporting the health of earth, the health of creation, the health of human humanity, um, the, the most, the more abundant experience we'll each have while we're here, no matter where we're going or what's going to happen um, after we leave earth. So we might as well as work together in some regards and stop some of this petty nonsense that's keeping us from really doing some great work. That's why we created the Community Innovation Hub, because we feel communities of faith are a hub Hmm. for the community. And uh, that goes back probably 100 years when they used to be. And we're just reinventing or bringing it back into current times and saying, hey, the community can work in that hub. And the hub can reach out to that community and yeah. make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important. Um, you know, there are people who go to our churches, I'm sorry, who feel they are a part of our churches who may never come into our churches. All of our 
congregations had those individuals who we see on the street. And if you ask them, hey, what church do you go to? They would say, that's my church right there. And they've never been in that building, you know, but they're part of the community. And if they really wanted some help, they would know where to go. And so we need to think about how we center our communities of faith in order to be hubs. So this work that you're doing is so important because it is reminding um, churches, communities of faith, otherwise that we have a, a, a big responsibility to work together for the flourishing of community. So Terrell, with your many hats that you have, what, what is the best website that people could connect to learn more about what you're doing? Well, the Christian Church of the Christ uh, has a website at disciples.org, and then the particular ministry that I uh, help organize is New Church Ministry. So you can go to newchurchministry.org. Um, and then if you want to learn more about our our um, our New Church Hacks series, you can go to newchurchhacks.org or newchurchhacks.com. So <laughs> we made it pretty, pretty simple uh, for people to uh, figure out what they want to be a part of to find us. And I would welcome conversations with any member of community. Well, Terrell, you're a, a social innovator as well as being a pastor with an entrepreneurial twist to what you're doing. So thank you very much for your time this afternoon. And uh, thank you for telling us what you're doing. My pleasure, Peter. Thank you.